Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Our epistle lesson this morning is taken from the first chapter, the very beginning introduction of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. This was written maybe four years or so after his first visit there at Corinth. And he opens up addressing them in the first few verses before our reading began this morning, saying, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, they are the church of God. This local Eucharistic assembly, under their bishop, they possess the full Catholic faith and ministry, albeit kind of in microcosm. They lack, but the point is, is they lack nothing. That assembly in that city there, under their bishop, partaking of one loaf, they are, in a sense, the kingdom of God. If we equate the church to the kingdom of God, you are the church. And they are the kingdom of God, and they manifest the fullness of the body of Christ there locally. He says in the next verse, he also speaks of the universal church, where he speaks of those around the world joined with them. But he goes on to identify what makes them the church of God. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been made holy... In Christ Jesus, called to be holy. Your version might say sanctified. To those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He repeats it. So they have been sanctified and they have been called holy because they have been called out of the world. They have been purified and consecrated to God. But they're holy, not just because they've been separated from the world, but more importantly, because they have received something. They have received a gift. And this gift that they have received is what makes them holy. They are different than they used to be. They have become something special in the world. They and you and I, all of us, we are not like those outside of this family. We are different. We are holy. We have been sanctified. We have received a gift. We have been made saints. We are not like the world. And I remind you of this often. The world is not your friend. And we are not like the world. Now, picking up in verse 4. This is where our reading begins this morning. I thank my God always concerning you. For the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ. St. Paul expresses this gratitude, this thankfulness, this deep, overwhelming sense of gratitude towards God. For the Corinthian saints, because Jesus Christ gave them the grace of God. Now, this is not a small thing to be thankful. We hear thankful, you know, we think about teaching our kids. Say thank you. Abel, say thank you. Uh, 
Well, being thankful is much more than a lesson in a good attitude or politeness that we teach our children. True thankfulness and gratitude to God is a deeply profound reorientation of our entire lives because we recognize what God has done in bringing us into existence and redeeming us from the slavery of sin. And we respond to Him with our whole life in gratitude and thankfulness. In fact, we could say true thankfulness is that which qualifies as an acceptable priestly sacrifice. True thankfulness offered by a kingdom of priests, that is us, actually mediates heaven and earth. That's what thankfulness does. Thankfulness, as we offer it as a sacrifice to God, it makes us fit vessels for His holiness. That's the thankfulness that Adam offered to God in paradise before his eyes were just turned and focused solely on himself. This kind of thankfulness and gratitude towards God, it's the foundation of our relationship with God. It's a response of love. It's an expression of our utter dependence upon God. And that is what is pleasing to God, by the way. That you recognize your complete and utter dependence upon Him for your very life and existence. That's what makes your sacrifice pleasing to God. In fact, we might say even that man's failure to thank God, to remember God in this way, is the root of all his sin. St. Paul is thankful for the Corinthian church, despite we know all the heartache they caused him, as you go on and read the rest of the epistle. Nevertheless, he is thankful because the grace of God that Jesus Christ gave them. They are saints, they are holy, because they have received this gift of grace. And he goes on in the next verse to tell us what it means that Jesus gave them this grace. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ, that you were enriched in everything by Him. That's what it means that they have received the grace of God from Jesus Christ. It means that they were enriched in everything by Him, by Jesus Christ. He has given you all things. The very majesty and the glory of God is yours and mine. We lack nothing. We have received the kingdom. The entire kingdom. The king has given us his kingdom. The whole kingdom he's given us. When we were poor, when we were empty and destitute, when we had no hope, when we had no prospects, no life, in fact, all of us were on an eternal slow train to the abyss of nothingness without even the hope of ever arriving at that nothingness. All we had to look forward to was an eternally terror-stricken notion of that emptiness that we were heading towards, that we would eternally be heading towards. That, my friend, is what hell is. But he came while we were going in that direction. He came and he became poor. He came down. He divested himself of his majesty in order to lift us up to make us rich. He became a slave to make us a kingdom of priests, sons of God. We are not as we were. We are not the same. 
We have been changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. We are different. We are God's special possession. We've been enriched, he says, with everything. We have been made holy by grace. So now what? What do we do with this? How do we live? How do we go forward? How does this transform our life? Thanks, Lord. I'm going to go scroll through Facebook for a few hours to waste some time. I mean, is that our response? Sometimes it is. <laughs> Something has to happen within us in response to what has happened to us. We must return to God. Verse 5, that you are enriched in everything by him. And then he describes what that means. He says, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. That's the response of our life to what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We are enriched in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Notice this triad, these three words. Paul is giving us a triad here. Utterance, knowledge, and testimony. And the words here, the Greek backwards for this, utterance is logos. Logos, the Word of God, the active Word of God coming forth from us in utterance. The knowledge is gnosis. This experiential, formative, transforming knowledge. And then testimony. Oh, guess what that one is? Martyr. Witness. Bearing witness with your entire life, which has come to be most seen in those who have actually given their lives, the martyrs. So, just to point out here briefly a bit of literary structure to this triad, these three words, if you notice, are not in order of occurrence, utter knowledge and testimony. The first and last word, utterance and testimony, are really two ways of saying the same thing. But they are the fruit of knowledge. Actually, knowledge comes first. And then knowledge gives utter the fruit of utterance and testimony. We utter, we speak forth, the word is put within us, the logos comes forth from us, and we also testify with our lives. And this is the fruit of our intimate knowledge of God. So in this triad, you see the heart of the triad, the center of the triad, is our enrichment in the knowledge of God. That's the root of it all. We are enriched in the knowledge of God and this results in the word coming forth and our lives becoming a witness to the truth. What makes you different from the world? What makes you holy is that you have the knowledge of God. You have a life-transforming experiential knowledge. It is an encounter with God. And it needs to result in something though. There has to be a result. There has to be fruit. Your life must reflect this experience of the knowledge of God. You are not the same person once you have this knowledge. How can we be adopted into the triune Godhead? Yes, that language. I think it's in our secret today, the proper, our secret prayer. You look in your bulletin or you listen. We have been adopted into the triune Godhead through Jesus Christ, our elder brother. How can we go on living in this life as if nothing has happened we are no longer groping around in the darkness. We know what life is about. We know what life is about. They do not know. 
But we know what this life is about. And because we know, and because we believe, as St. Paul said, quoting the psalmist, I believe and therefore I speak. We must respond to the word we have received. We have now a voice to speak the Logos. The Logos has been put into our mouths because of the knowledge of the voice. And we have been called to bear witness. We must speak the truth, both to the world and back to God in praises. In short, we have a responsibility to multiply and pour forth what we have received. And this is the very next point that St. Paul makes in his next phrase. Again, you were enriched in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that, so that you come short in no gift. Charisma. So that you come short in no charisma. We have been enriched. But if we hoard the riches, if we don't spend them, if there's no, you know, tributary going out, they'll turn to dust. We've all received talents. We've received grace and mercy. We've been enriched and we've received talents, but we know the story. We hear it on our feast day every year. Bishop Thomas always reminds us, if we bury our talents we are going to be out of favor with the Master, and we will suffer for it. I recently spoke about how God had hurled us into existence. God has hurled us into existence. We came forth from God in our creation in motion, moving towards a target, a goal, and that goal is God Himself. And I described it as, not as a ball, God doesn't throw a ball because the ball doesn't come back. We're more like a boomerang. You didn't know that. You're boomerang saints. God hurls the boomerang, but the boomerang has to return to God. That's how it works. We have to return to God, and if we don't return to God, we will never arrive at our perfection, the fullness of our being and our humanity for which we were created. Well, the message today is really echoing the same principle. You, in Christ, have been recreated by the gift of holiness. God's love has reversed the course you were on. You were on a path to destruction, but God has caught you up and launched you again with the trajectory towards Himself. And so St. Paul describes this event of dynamic grace as the knowledge of God. You have gained the knowledge of God. And you are responsible to do something with it. You have been illumined. You are no longer in darkness. You see now. You know now. You have tasted the beauty and goodness of God. What will your response be? According to St. Paul, our response to this gnosis is to be filled with the logos for us to become martyrs so that we can abound in the charisma of the Spirit. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. We have a voice 
to speak to God. If the creation speaks, we as the pinnacle of the creation all the more must speak God. We must speak God. Their sound has gone out. That's the testimony that we say in our antiphons on the feast day of the apostles. Their sound has gone out into all the world. These holy ones of God. Well, there's a companion quality which is always at work within the Holy One who utters the Word of God, and that quality is boldness. The Word fills the mouth of God's Holy Ones with boldness. Paul asks, actually, for them to pray for him that he might speak with boldness, confidence, and courage. Boldness goes with holiness, and it goes with the Logos. On the contrary, one who is ashamed because of a guilty conscience has no confidence to speak. And I think a lot of times when we lack that confidence to speak, it is because we have a guilty conscience and we are ashamed and we have no confidence before God in our prayer to live, to live boldly. If we have no utterance, no voice, because of a lack of confidence before God. It's easy to fix. It's not hard. Just fix it. Just repent and go to confession. And trust in God and believe in God and set things right. And then go about the business of multiplying your talents for the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.